Welcome to Inside Scoop with Sean Emery. Every week we are examining something new, bringing you closer to companies, sectors, and themes. This recording should not be construed as a substitute for personalized individual advice from Avery and Company or any guests on the show. This is for educational purposes only and not intended to make an offer or solicitation for any companies or securities mentioned. With that, let's get on with the episode. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to This Week in Fundamentals. This is Sean Emery, the CIO of Avery and Company. Today, we wanted to dig into two main areas. Yes, this was an amazing week in terms of the lineup of earnings. So many companies reported over 100 once again. Today, I wanted to cover two specifically or two areas, one being Square's earnings. This goes along with my episode following their investor day about a month and a half ago. Uh, we came away uh, pretty impressed with that as well. I also wanted to cover uh, prop tech or property technology companies. I think there were interesting announcements that suggest what's potentially on the horizon within real estate. Open Door and Zillow joined forces. This was something that we have been predicting would happen at some point, maybe a little bit quicker than we expected. And then talk about Redfin as well. So let's get started. So let's start with Square or Block. They continue to show their strength. I came away very impressed. You know, the company has a combination of diversification around the types of merchants. So think brick and mortar versus online. A line business came on strong because of COVID or kind of size of merchants, so small versus large. They talked a lot about how they're seeing large merchants come onto the platform at a high rate. They also talked about restaurants and other categories like beauty. They also have diversification around payment methods. So think card present, so physical cards in a physical environment versus card not present, so think online. They have the point of sale business for Square. They have peer-to-peer with Cash App. They're also increasing their utility inside of Cash App with things like commerce and investing. I think it's really this type of diversification that you see in other companies like Visa and MasterCard, which ultimately gives them that defensibility tag. Um, or even from traditional uh, financial institutions such as banks, you know, and I think Block is building that kind of diversification where no matter the environment where COVID, a lot of their uh, merchants were doing very well online to now we are back in much more of a uh, brick and mortar world and Block continues to shine. So I think that is clear evidence of that. You know, they're also creating meaningful growth in other areas. I think it's intriguing to see the continuation of growth. If you really think about it, Block was a beneficiary uh, around COVID. You know, we tracked downloads and they started to see three, four million downloads in July, roughly of 2020. So really saw a a real benefit to the adoption of uh, digital wallets and more things moving online. So growth exploded for Cash App. You know, they were seeing triple digit growth really led by usage the need for digital payments in 2020, but also they turned on the ability to have things like stimulus checks directly deposited. They turned on taxes this or these past couple of years, which led to inflows. And I think, again, when we think about Cash App, when we think about Square in general, you know, they face some of the toughest comps relative to a couple of years ago. And I think this quarter really emphasized how they can stand up to the challenge of that growth and continue to build and compound growth on top of growth. You know, here's some stats. So Cash App today has 47 million monthly transacting users. So that's a lot. A year ago, it was roughly 36 million. We posted this week how they saw the strongest monthly downloads in July uh, of this year. And that was the strongest number they've seen in three months. 
you know, I think a lot of that actually comes from, you know, they have their investing product and during call it the start of weaker investment markets, you started to see probably less engagement in that app. And all, all of a sudden uh, over the last, I'd say month or so with some of the moves happening in equity markets, I'm assuming that has brought on some uh, engagement benefits to something like Cash App. I, I think it's a pretty clear trend or relationship there. Why do I say that? Venmo did not have that same bump. They don't have the same investing capabilities or at all. So I think that's interesting. You know, going back to Cash App in terms of the health of the organization, Cash App gross profit was 630 million, up 15% year over year. And it's grown 82% on average over the last three years on average, right? So, and that's excluding the, the buy now, pay later. For Cash App in July, they gave us updated numbers, which are kind of during the current quarter. And gross profit, excluding buy now, pay later, is growing 32% year over year. Uh, and that's relatively consistent with the 82% three-year uh, annualized number uh, in that quarter. So you're seeing a company growing on top of a very difficult comparable growth period uh, from a year ago. So that's, that's important. You know, another interesting call out by management was they now have 1 million monthly actives for the Cash App Borrow product. And this is essentially a low dollar total, a short duration credit product. It's a version of Buy Now, Pay Later uh, inside Cash App. So 1 million users, a lot of usage is being used within this ecosystem, a lot of usage of that, that borrow. So everyone is benefiting here, everyone from the individual borrowing to Cash App to the merchants and or beneficiaries of the other side of that peer-to-peer -peer transaction. One key point as well is that the duration of these are right around a month and the dollar value of this Cash App borrow is roughly $200. So very small microloans. Um, that are taking place. And again, going back to the buy now, pay later, the duration of these things are so short so that they turn over this book uh, quite often. And the importance of that is if you do run into economic weakness or any type of periods, you can just decide after that month period to stop providing as many loans, similar to what they saw in square loans back in 2020. Uh, they decided to make that change. I think the natural question again is how does Cash App and Borrow, uh, really uh, fair during economic weakness. One important point that they did make was Cash App Borrow this quarter achieved profitable unit economics. So in terms of uh, the, the dollars they're either spending to attract the users within this product relative to the economics that are, being, uh, that are coming back uh, to the company. And they highlight how it's really around their ability to measure using data and apply different type of risk management tactics to these loans. So they offer loans to their most engaged customers. And one stat that they highlighted was borrow customers, Cash App borrow cost customers brought in four times more inflows into Cash App compared to actives who were only peer-to-peer -peer users. So those Cash App borrow users not only are borrowing, but they're engaging more, bringing in more inflows into the app, which again, is an important um, uh, number to track as they continue to build. More users, more inflows, uh, and more tools, I think, is really what you're looking for here. So again, when you look at this, um, there is a constant flywheel across all of the different products inside of Cash App. Side note, you know, it's this level of data and transparency that I love about Block and the team there. They're heavily driven by making decisions around data, and they make it very clear about the what and why uh, they are doing certain things within their product portfolio. Moving to Square Point of Sale, again, Square's a big business, which is why we decided to highlight so many things about it. 
We're also, uh, again, full disclosure, we've been investors in Square or Block. Square's point of sale in merchant business is also performing uh, pretty well. So Square uh, gross profit was $681 million. And again, when I say Square, I'm talking about kind of their point of sale merchant business. That's up 16% year over year, up 25% on a three-year annual basis. Uh, Through the first half of the year, uh, payment volume from Square for restaurants. So they've really been emphasizing restaurants uh, more than doubled year over year. That does make some sense. Obviously, uh, that part of their business is clearly seeing favorable comparables. Uh, And another kind of important data point around this is that restaurant customers are using four of their monetizable products, which this is important because more products probably leads to more retention of the products. And ultimately what that means is a lifetime value, the money, the marketing dollars that you spend to acquire the next customer, usually as retention builds and customers stay with you longer, that allows you to spend more to acquire the next customer. Um, Square GPV. So again, the, 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 the payment volume coming through is expected to be up 18% year over year in July on a three-year Tager basis. Uh, the uh, growth of GPV within Squeller uh, seller is expected to be 23%. Again, in line, and that's an annual three-year basis, expected to be uh, pretty much in line with uh, the second quarter trends. So, you know, there's always more to discuss here, going into the buy now, pay later, going to the Bitcoin business. Uh, but I think one thing is clear. One, diversification of this platform in an inflationary environment, you know, the payment platforms with kind of merchant diversification naturally can see transaction dollar totals increase in terms of the dollar values due to kind of the rise in, in, in goods and services, which can ultimately offset some of the volume declines that may happen if you do see any form of demand destruction, while at the same time, someone such as Square is really creating their own growth through product uh, improvements, product announcements, and having a three-sided marketplace that is continuing to converge. So you have growth in value of dollars in the world on top of growth of new products and initiatives and just taking market share across different categories, such as things like restaurant. So that is it on Square. You know, it's a, it's a very healthy company led by, I mean, Amrit is doing an incredible job uh, leading this company, obviously with Jack. Um, but anyways, that is it on Square. Now let's move to prop tech or property technology. Uh, they all reported this week and essentially had the same type of comments around the macro, around housing transaction volumes. Uh, the rise in mortgages, mortgage uh, rates seen during the quarter was one of the fastest ever in 40-year period. So the more volumes of homes being sold tends to lead to more transactional related revenue that many of these companies can achieve. Um, and again, with a rise or a sharp rise in rates, what does that lead to? Tends to lead to some pausing activity. So sales and earnings this past quarter across the board of many of these prop tech companies were actually in line with either what they provided in terms of guidance or maybe some of the numbers on the street. Now, most of them also likely took this chance to use the opportunity to, to make it clear that they can't predict the future, give some inline or in-quarter data points around trends. Most of them said that uh, July was better than June as mortgage rates did come down slightly. Now, of these companies, so you think of like an Open Door, a Redfin, a Zillow, the only company of this group that is generating real cash flow um, is Zillow. This is putting them in a competitively stronger position as it would in any industry. Um, 
that is seeing transactions decline. Now, putting some context around transactions, four and a half or five million uh, units sold is actually the same amount of levels that we were seeing pre-COVID. Um, it's just, again, over the last several years, we, we got up to roughly 6.5 million uh, homes sold. And again, higher valued homes on higher transactions is a catalyst. Now, if you think about this, homes generally are still elevated in terms of pricing, transactions down uh, as mortgages come down, that'll increase and it kind of counterbalances each other. Now, looking into these platforms, uh, like many of the strong growers that were out there, whether it's again, Square that I just alluded to, these prop tech companies did face um, difficult comparables to last year. You know, some of them grew 70% uh, last year, uh, year over year in the same quarter. So again, it was quite challenging in terms of the comparables. Uh, most of them still grew, uh, depending on which cat, uh, part of their business you're looking at, whether it's mortgages or, or, or uh, their, for Zillow's purposes, like a premier agent. The biggest announcement, and I think the real takeaway from this week is the announcement around the Zillow and Open Door partnership. You know, I do think this is a game changer. If you're a follower of our work, again, this was something that we believed was inevitable. It was more around when, not if. Um, and I think that first started around a, a, a little less than a year ago when Zillow decided to get out of the iBuying business to be much more capital light, which they are today. They're a very high margin uh, asset light business. And Open Door is a very capital heavy, intense business. They're both really good at what they do. So they announced an important partnership. Zillow is the number one real estate app, 1 million downloads every month so far this year. And before that, they have over 200 million monthly users, which grew this quarter. So they have the largest audience and it's continuing to grow. That audience size is roughly 3x the size of the second most or the second largest competitor. They want to, or they have an ambition and this is kind of, you know, the, the green shoots of it to become the housing super app where more and more of all the transactions within home buying, home selling, and any sort of other affiliated services uh, happen, start and end via Zillow. So again, this is, I think, a, a, a green shoot. Um, and I'll, I'll speak about it a little bit later, but it's, it's really took an opportunity, like this opportunity to exist took a fundamental change in how all of these operators thought about their business at this current state in time, which then drives everyone back to uh, the leader in the space. Open Door, you know, they are the largest and they are the most successful iBuyer. They operate at a very, very high level and have done so very successfully. I think this partnership will allow users to sell their home um, through a cash offer from Open Door, you know, facilitated originally via the Zillow app or portal. portal. That is what the announcement here is. Zillow will make a referral fee from this, or if they decide not to sell, uh, they'll uh, look to uh, assign a Zillow Premier agent to help facilitate a sale the traditional way. So we know, obviously, clicking this button shows high intent uh, to sell your home. So you have a high intent seller ready to act. Also, Zillow announced that they will look to offer a bundle for selling and buying for any of these high intent customers where they see a reduced fee across Zillow seller services from things like title to mortgages to other fees. So that is part of the key elements here. Now on the calls, the earning calls, Zillow held off actually from saying when this was going to go live. However, we went and listened to the open door call and they said several months, this will begin to go live. So again, it's pretty close uh, relative to the announcement. So that's really important as we see this uh, build out.
So this news overall is exciting. It validates both parties uh, in terms of their value proposition. I think Zillow is clearly the central platform of real estate and Open Doors, the best operator in iBuying period. Uh, both are well capitalized. Zillow has one of the strongest balance sheets and generates healthy cash flow today, uh, which gives them really an ability to continue investing in the type of products to enhance the experience for users. I think, again, that's why you're seeing their audience continue to grow, which is probably the best leading indicator of the future value of this business. And all of that, despite kind of, again, a slowdown in transaction activity. Now, speaking a little bit about Redfin, you know, there, this is a big announcement for Zillow and Open Door, and Redfin had their earnings. And while I've always appreciated this company, Glenn, the CEO, very transparent, really like them actually as like kind of a culture and, a, and the DNA of that business, they're moving at a much different pace, a much slower pace. They have always expressed that they don't necessarily want or need to be number one. I mean, I listen to Glenn all the time. He's, he's always in the um, podcast and things like that. You know, what is happening here, I think, again, is the chaos in the housing market is forcing many of these players to rethink what is actually core and what is actually going to drive their business. You know, a couple examples is Redfin used to provide a commission refund, and that was ultimately like an agent commission refund back to um, the buyer or seller. And what you're seeing now is uh, because of the environment, they have decided to remove the commission refund. And this was one of their value adds again. And at least from a marketing standpoint, something that draw, drew people to their product, they're eliminating the commission refund in 22 markets with little pushback, according to them, with really a goal to take this to all markets by early 2023. Again, this takes one of what was seen as one of their core value adds out of the equation. It actually increases, in theory, a discounter in the market for refunds. I think that's good across the board. If agents are making more money, then they have more to spend on things like Premier Agent and, and, um, and some other things. Uh, second, I think most thought that it was inconceivable that, again, Open Door and Zillow would partner, specifically seven months ago. Um, there was this competition between the two in iBuying. However, when it comes to dollars and cents, I think Open Door, what they see is the value of removing their outflow of cash towards marketing spend broadly and instead partnering with the largest real estate audience to use that as a marketing funnel that costs virtually zero up front and only something or cost something once things start to transact. So again, I think they're both committed to this because there's a lot of technology uh, that needs to be uh, kind of uh, commingled together here. And so there's a lot of effort uh, that still needs to be done. But it sounds like we're closer to that actually existing. Again, I think the entire prop tech space is starting to center around uh, key platforms. And while there's a lot of innovation happening, happening on the edges, it all comes down to cash flow. And during periods of stress, specifically in a market like housing, uh, you essentially have everyone, uh, again, aggregate back to the core. So again, the leaders are leading. You're seeing that today. Uh, with that, I wanted to end there. I know I've been running a little bit. Uh, there were so many companies. We'll continue to do this. We have a lot in store for uh, different types of episodes with founders of different types of companies, interesting ones, some uh, uh, industry experts to come on here that we've already either pre-recorded or have on schedule. And with that, I will see you next time. I'm out.